This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Today, I want to talk about the power of story. Storytelling is one of the oldest and most used forms of communication in human history. We use stories to teach lessons to little kids, right? Think uh, Aesop's fables, or think about fairy tales. And we continue to learn from stories as adults. Think about the great works of literature and film and music. Now, another place we often hear stories is during church. We don't just hear or read the stories from the Bible, but preachers often incorporate stories into their sermons as a way to highlight a point or provide context for what they are teaching. My guest today is a preacher, rapper, and candle maker. And yes, we even talk about candle making in this conversation. Brandon Short was a pastor at Saddleback Church before moving to Sacramento, where he now serves as a teaching pastor and campus pastor at Bayside Church. He also recently released a new album titled The Attic under his musical artist name, Be Short. Brandon and I have been friends for over 10 years, and I'm thrilled to have him on today to talk about the power of story and how we can share our faith in many different ways. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is a Doable Discipleship, the Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Brandon Short. Brandon Short, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm good, but I want to start this thing off, Jason, by telling you that I miss you <laughs> and that I love you, and I'm really excited we get to chat today, bro. Every time that we've talked or seen each other in the past, you always do such a wonderful job of saying, I miss you and I love you, and I'm just, I just want to honor that. <laughs> well, I do. I, I miss you, and I love watching your family continue to grow and your ministry grow from a distance, and yes. know sincerely on and off this podcast that I am cheering you on. Mm, you are, you've always been such a wonderful friend, and I'm thrilled to get to talk with you today, Brandon. So yeah, man. I, I wanted to focus in on this idea of story today, because in a part of this, as I, I was thinking of wanting to connect with you on this podcast, I immediately went to this idea of story, because from all the time that I've known you, it's been so yeah. clear to me that story is such a big part of your life. It, in the sermons you preach, I remember watching you officiate a friend's wedding and you did such a great job mm-hmm. of weaving in the story elements just to bring people yeah. into the experience. And now your albums as a musical artist, you focus on telling yeah. a story, even on your new album, The Attic, every song is telling a part of your story. It's real life yeah. experiences that you're bringing into it. So why do you think that story is such a powerful medium? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that because I kind of approach the world with this worldview, if you will, that we're all a culmination of stories, mm. that everything, we are literally a lump sum of different experiences. And for, for me, I actually can't dissociate the idea of story from theology and faith and what I believe. Like I can't, I, I love as a Gentile, like I can't <laughs> get away from that idea that I was engrafted in. 
Mm. not just familially, but into the story of this people and this movement that was housed in Judaism, spread throughout all of the world through this story of this God man who I I, I can never separate those things. And it's been attributed to like a multitude of people, the quote that words create worlds. Mm. But I, I think that's really poignant and very central to me that if words create worlds, then it actually really matters the stories that we tell yeah. because they're a part of world creating. They're a part of the lineage and the way we teach our kids. Like one of the things I really mourn about being a young man, a young leader in 2023 mm-hmm. is often like the absence of the oral tradition that the past held. That I, uh, I actually just went home for Christmas last year with my grandparents and some of the family members I haven't been with in a long time had made it back there too often. And I sat there with a pen and a piece of paper and an actual recorder. And I sat there for 26 hours mm. and said, tell me the story. Mm. Tell me the stories of our family. How did our family become this? What were some of the pains and the highlights? But again, I just see that all of our personhoods, all of our societies, all of our everything is a culmination of stories. And as a storyteller who gets the honor and privilege to tell stories, I just think if words create worlds and the stories we tell have a place in creating the world that we live in. Yeah, everybody who is listening, everybody who you are talking with has their own stories and we're all part of this human experience, this human condition, right? We're all, all yeah. made in the image of God. We all have emotions. We all have a history. We all have all these things that tie us together. So when we're telling stories and using stories um, yeah. in, in any way, shape, or form, it creates this medium, it creates this connection immediately because for most people, they can connect something to it. Or at the very least, if they're not, if it's not a story that necessarily resonates with their own experience, it can still bring them in a good storyteller. As you said, yeah, it creates this world where the person can step into and imagine themselves in the place of the story, right? Whether 100%. it's something like, a movie or a, a a a good book, right? These best authors, these best storytellers, whether it's through spoken word, through rap, yeah. through preaching, whatever it is, they create this experience that's so easy to step into when you start to live out that experience with them. And this has gone through human history. As I said in my intro, storytelling is like the oldest medium um, yes, <laughs> because because that's a way that that was originally used to just impart information, to impart teaching, right. to in, impart um, morality to teaching. Yes, and the, so and we and we continue that now to this day. I love that. Uh, so, at, which is a surprise to everyone. What I'm about to say that knows me. For the last three years, I've been an adjunct professor at Southeastern University as a guy who graduated high school with a 2.6. <laughs> so, um, but I take, uh, I, I try to teach specifically freshman and sophomore classes. Mm. And I find it super interesting that one of my, one of my language points there that I use is most of your like theological concepts are more background than they are biblical. Yeah. Now, thank God some of the your backgrounds were biblical, but there's a lot of background in how you walk into like early faith and trying to understand. And one of the books I take the students through every year 
has this beautiful phrase about parables. Mm. And the guy says, Jesus speaks so often in parables because these truths are so true, they can only be held in stories. Mm. Oh, wow. And I I love it. I, I love the concept of Jesus going throughout this ancient world, walking through these towns, and then telling them, ancient truths, beginning of time to the end of time truths in the thing that can hold them, which is stories. Mm. That's so cool. I, I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit about how you in particular think about people, other people, when you are crafting a story. So if you are working on a message that you're giving at church one weekend, mm-hmm. or if you're thinking about a new song that you're working on, you're I, I have I'm sure, and, 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 and feel free to say, no, Jason, that's not how I do it. But I'm sure that you yeah. are in some part thinking about how is this person, how is the person in the audience hearing this? And yeah. so I'm just curious if you could share a little bit about how you match maybe what you think about people mm-hmm. to how you are verbalizing something. Yeah, because I do. My my com, my like uh, process of content development is pretty multifaceted. Like, again, when I take the students through this, I usually tell them there's, whether I do them intuitively or intentionally, there's kind of these eight steps that I take. Mm. But one of them is I I made the commitment a long time ago, and I think some of that's my own church past and history, but I made the commitment a long time ago that my aim would always be preach or teach to me. Mm. And that God and his goodness would allow those things to hit others yeah. and that somehow that it, that would be my first and foremost. So instead of my, my goal in the space that we're creating in the church that I pastor is that people would not feel that I was preaching at them, but that we were having a conversation. And the only person I really know whose story is involved in this is mine. Mm. Um, and not in the highlight reel, more in the <laughs> slightly funny self-deprecation, yeah. but, uh, Then I do think, though, and this is the one I wanted to share with you when we talked about today being story-centric. Yeah, Stories are actually so powerful that, yes, they can create worlds, and you can literally, brain, body, felt sense, you can be traumatized secondhand and thirdhand by the way somebody tells a story. Mm. So there there is so much power in this space that that's one of the things I do think through. I try to sit there and say, okay, if somebody that completely does not believe what we believe or somebody that's been really, really wounded is in this room, how do I tell this story in a way that's authentic, honest, real, to the point, all of those things, but in a way that like displays the fruits of the spirit, namely gentleness in a way that, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about honesty here in a bit. But yeah. I, I do think I try to think through what has been true of this story for me. I am honestly always kind of thinking about me mm-hmm. um, preaching to me and then hoping that God and his goodness would use it for somebody else. But then I try to think through pain. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought's not like, how can we rah-rah this thing up? Like, how can we make sure we get a standing ovation at the end of this story? <laughs> but in a way that is trauma-informed, yeah, gentle, and yet is inviting into the story. Like I used to, I used this line a lot, which won't surprise you as somebody that's known <laughs> me as long as you have. I try to slip, I, I try to walk backwards through the wardrobe into the Narnian woods. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I say, I tell stories step by step. 
Yeah. Um, slow in a way that like isn't abrasive, doesn't make someone feel anxious, is trauma informed, and would be good for the hardest heart in the room, mm. but would also be good in a way that was for the most wounded person there, while centralizing in the fact that the only person I really know what they're going through in that room is me. That's so right. those are kind of the multifaceted ways I think to how to tell stories. Well, and I think it's, I'm sure it's helpful for you having a wife who is a psychologist to be able to run things off of. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> the amount of times I've said, Hey babe, I'm thinking about telling this story. And she goes, yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, or Hey do, but even like this single word you just used, mm. I wouldn't use that. I wouldn't use that. That could be something that uh, does more harm than good or yeah. could be distracting in something. So I do, to your point, like I think at times anybody in any field yeah. that is communicate because we're all storytellers, mm -hmm. like whether you're leading from a platform or like you work at a coffee shop, we're all still a culmination of stories and we're telling mm -hmm. stories. We're operating through stories. So I just think it's, it's really important that we tell those things well. And I think at times people can think, oh, the illustration I just used, or I really made that make sense. I must be a genius. And even on the science level, uh, the way the brain interacts with someone telling a story, you to your point, like you can't help but lean into that because there's a shared humanity, even if it's not a shared experience, but that shared humanity can be the glue that like brings somebody in to, again, find their place in the story. And then the Bible, right? It's meta-narrative. It's a, it's a culmination of stories itself. And stories that we get on paper that are now put on text, but were derived from experiences. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, story, 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 story. And I try to be careful, 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 careful. Well, no, I, I think you brought up the, a great idea that it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what your job is or, or what you do yeah. in your day to day is, is, is where you are in that moment is a culmination of your story, even just for that day, right? Yeah. So it's, so you were talking about the about the person who works at the coffee shop, how they right. are interacting, how they are approaching the customers that day is probably a result of the story of how their day has gone so far. And so, and that's something that yes. we can all relate to. And if we're all just aware of each other's stories or each other's even possible stories, then that leads to grace. That leads to mercy. It leads to compassion yep. and it leads to care, you know, and, and ultimately it leads to love even through that is, is we can, we can have a better chance, a better opportunity to love others. If we think about huh, I wonder what their story has been like today. Right. I was at a coffee shop. I was thinking about this person. It's a chocolate fish coffee here in Sacramento. Uh -huh. And I saw a latte art. This was probably six months ago, and it was a Ted Lasso derived <laughs> latte art. And I asked the barista, I said, "What? What? Why did you do a Ted Lasso foam milk art project on my latte?" <laughs> and she tells me this story about a monologue Ted gives about curiosity and how mm -hmm. curiosity being something we hold as we walk through the world. And I'm like. Dad, gum like this. This latte <laughs> art just not only told a story, then it led to another story that was connected to her story. Now yeah. it's a part of mine. Like it's going every direction at all times. <laughs> so for you, what is the role of honesty in your storytelling? You have always been one of the most honest, upfront, transparent people I've known. So I, yeah. I, I figured that this is a great question for you. How do you incorporate honesty, or you think about honesty as you're crafting story? whether it's a sermon or whether it's a song, whatever it is. Yeah. 
I think if I was going to lay out like some of the core values of my personal life, like if I had a mission statement for Brandon and a core value list for me, um, honesty is on the list. Mm. I, I feel a little bit call me a call me a stereotypical millennial, but I feel a little bit regurgitory if I'm telling a story mm. and it feels like some of it is false or that's not exactly how it happened or it's exaggerated a little bit. Like, and, and I'm not saying I haven't slipped into, I, I'm, I'm no perfect storyteller, but I do believe like if it's not an honest story, and again, this goes so many different directions. It's not just bound to one thing, but if it's not an honest story, then for me, it's not a story to be told. Mm-hmm. Like I, why have any other foundation than the fact that it was honest. And again, to, the multidisciplinary nature of this. Yeah. I was sitting with, uh, I sit on two, I, I get the honor of sitting on two board of director positions for nonprofits. And mm-hmm. one is a strategic catalyst. And I, I sat there with a consultant we had brought in to help us get to the future. And I have this natural aversion to the word branding. <laughs> I just do like I, especially when it's about me. Yeah. Like, Hey, your brand or our brand or this, and I get it. It's a, but it, I do have this natural thing that comes up when that word is used. And he told this, he said this beautiful thing. His name was Brad and Brad goes, Brandon, brands are still just stories Mm -hmm. and they communicate stories and they have promises to what that story means and what it is going to produce and all of this. And he goes, I've worked with all these companies throughout the United States. And he goes, so again, pastor to businessman or woman or barista, all of it. But he goes, the thing is not that brand is evil. He goes, when this goes sideways, it's when the brand is dishonest Mm. because when the brand is dishonest and his exact words were, well, now the story is, Mm. The story of that brand or that place or that person, once it becomes dishonest is when it's no story to be told. But I do think there's a a caveat to put on this. Like there is at times a really fine line between honesty and doing harm. Sure. And I think that's an important thing to say. So I try to have a building block on honesty, regardless of what light that puts me in. You hear my dog barking? In the That's background? all right. Hi, Gizmo. <laughs> Gizmo. You know what he's trying to do right now? I hope this stays in the podcast. It will. Oh, I'll keep it in. Yeah, yeah. What he's trying to do right now is our. there's an Amazon driver uh-huh. dropping off a package, and Gizmo needs to let me know. He's telling a story <laughs> that Amazon drivers are scary, and they might, like, he needs to protect us, and none of that is true. It's a dishonest story. But now he's calm. Um and I don't remember exactly where I was at. Oh, the caveat. The caveat, of, yes. <laughs> of harm. Um, like one of my least favorite sentences, Jason, in the grand scheme of life mm-hmm. is, okay, I'm going to be brutally honest. Sure. And because I tend to think, like, you can be honest without being brutal. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure that's actually healthy or helpful. Like in a song of mine, like I could be brutally honest at the expense of somebody else at the expense of probably another Amazon driver, (laughs) um, at the expense of anybody. And that would do more harm than it would do good. It's now like been 
my honesty has been co-opted and it can feel co-opted by agenda or slander or whatever. So while I do believe honesty has to be the building block for any type of storytelling, I do think there is a fine line to like prayerfully discern on what's harm and what's harm causing and what is healthy, authentic authenticity that's honest. Well, I think there's also that line in terms of, uh, in terms of your relational equity with the person that you're talking with. Right. So it takes a lot for a a pastor at a church to be able to be honest with their congregation when they've gotten to know them as they've built up that relationship, they've built up that equity. Right. If you go in as a guest preacher somewhere who with people you've never met and you start just laying into, you know, who you perceive these people to be or whatever it is, you know, that's, that, that can be a, a problem. It can create, yes. uh, it, it doesn't come across, as you said, as, as honest, it comes across as uh, anger. It comes across as there, there's something else going on underneath. <laughs> Abusive. <that person. laughs> Abusive. Yeah. It could be the other word. And, and if you're even in a one-on-one relationship, yeah, that's where that honesty comes in. And as you are thinking about the other person, whether you're on a stage or you're just face to face with somebody else, and if, yeah. if you are having a conversation, even if it includes story, if you are leading into this space, having that honesty with yourself in, yep. ter- in, in terms of what you've gone through and your experience and knowing that you ain't perfect. And so no. if you're trying to point out stuff in the other person, it's that whole log in the eye idea of like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> right. You know, really walk in terms of, of love and compassion yeah. and then you're going to start being in the right place. But if you're going yes. out there to just try to, you know, lay siege of honesty in terms of whoever it is you're in front, like it's, it's, it's not going to most likely serve the purpose that you intend. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. And there's other podcasts about other places that have done such things. So yes. I think yeah, our, uh, yeah. Pretty popular ones. <laughs> yeah. Pretty popular ones. So I think I, I, my wife and I talk about this a lot again, as a mental health professional, Yeah. that if the medical field is going to sign documents saying in all cases and with all effort, we do no harm. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially again, I, I think taking that ethic for all worlds and vocations is smart. Mm. But in particular, if there's any level of uh, power dynamic or anything, uh, even more so, this note we're going to be honest, but not in a way that is harmful to others. So, so for you in particular, talking about your approach, how do you yeah. decide what to share, how to share? In what you know, in what way you bring in your life into a message, a song, whatever? Yeah, I think especially on the message front, if it involves other people, I always ask their permission first. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually super important. I've seen people blindsided when their story was told without the permission granted, um, and you feel so never t- the color just drain out of that person's face. You oh, feel the tense up. Yes. <laughs> So if it involves somebody else, I'm always asking permission first. Um, I'm also uh, enough years of counseling myself to try to be uh, authentic without projecting and Mm. bleeding on others. Like I want to be authentic in a way that absolutely shows humanity that isn't like a pretense keeping that is very honest and real. 
Um, but again, not in a way that others now feel like they have to hold something that it wasn't fair for them to have to hold. And especially in the relationship from a public communicator to somebody who was attending or present, like that's just not, it's not fair. So I try to really be intentional about that. I try to tell it from the platform, like again, from a, a pastor's perspective, I try not to tell stories that don't probably at some level hit about 75% of the crowd. Yeah. Um, at least at some level, but songs are whole different ball games. <laughs> well, well, so. and that's and, and that's a perfect segue to what I wanted to get into a little yeah. bit. I wanted to because I, I shared this in the opening, but you've recently taken on this new hat, if you will, of yeah, rapper or hip hop artist. Now, which title do you prefer, <laughs> rapper or hip hop artist? It, it depends who's present. Okay, um, <laughs> in the right crowd, it's straight up rapper. Yeah, and then another crowd is no, he's a poetry guy there you go <laughs> poetry depends guy. who the audience is that's so funny how does ray johnson how uh, describe you is it does he describe he, you? <laughs> <laughs> so for those listening ray is the founding pastor of the church network i'm a part of 73 years old and he calls me the guy that does rap stuff <laughs> That so sounds the, 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 the perfect for Ray. <laughs> so, we're at a pastor's conference recently, and they're like, Brandon's a senior pastor, and he does rap stuff. <laughs> and people are like, and and like he raps presents, he cool. does what? <laughs> yeah. Does rap stuff. So, okay, so so what inspired you to think about communicating in this way? As long as I've known you, you've like written poetry, you've yes. written things um so yeah. so what inspired you to really start to communicate in this way and i wanted to mention too because you have a new album out i mentioned called the attic and your music yeah. i wouldn't say is explicitly christian but right. it is no doubt inspired by your faith in it so 100%. i'm just curious how that whole process has taken shape for you yeah and you're right like i my wife would tell you the story if she was on here that I was writing a poem a week to her when we were 15. Like <laughs> I was publishing, uh, I did two publications in a literary magazine before I graduated high school. Like poetry has always been, honestly, it's been my favorite medium to process. Mm. So um, I think David would affirm what I'm about to say, even if it's so. not in any of, yeah, even <laughs> if it's not in any of the books, even if Richard Foster didn't write about it, I tend to think, <laughs> For those of us who are songwriters, you would never be able to convince us that it's not a spiritual discipline mm. because it's this place where prayer, contemplation, meditation, journaling all collide at once. Um, so for me, that's always been a part of the way I've processed what I was going through, life, hardships, good times. So go through high school doing poetry, go to college and kind of do the slam poetry spoken word scene. Mm. Um, for a lot of years, but that's actually where this was birthed because I would go to, uh, I'd get the big X written on my hand <laughs> and I would go into a sticky floored bar in Chattanooga, Tennessee and join a spoken word competition and bring all these Christian poems. Mm. And it meant a lot to me to be missional in this space and to hold both truths. Like the, the beauty and that excellence was the goal for the art. Yeah. but then to be offering an alternative story mm. and an alternative message in a place that like that wasn't, that wasn't the thing. 
So when I got to LA um, as a part of my time at Saddleback, yeah. like that's when we started putting it to music. We had some producers that were in the church and then COVID hit and it's been a, it's been a long journey, but it's all been birth. Um, even this one is the second album yeah. with another one, honestly, almost done. So we're, <laughs> we'll come with the third one, hopefully in spring of next year. But I think that was all birth from this desire to have a foot in both worlds missionally. Mm-hmm. Like when Paul's in Athens and it says that he's talking to them in the synagogues and in the marketplace. Yeah. It mattered to me that they, that it held the attention of both spaces. Like uh, if we can be candid here, like when I dropped this album, one of the songs is called People Mad. Mm-hmm. And People Mad came out of 2020 and it was this song that was heartfelt and told a story of feeling like you couldn't say the right thing no matter who you were with and sure. you were always going to lose at yeah. some level. But that song has so much Jesus in it. Like mm-hmm. it jumps out the gate and says, I got to get this up off of me. Ancient text full of theophanies, the sound of my head like cacophonies. <laughs> and it goes to the end and says, I'm just going to follow a Nazarene carpenter, try to do all the things he do. And I give this image using Cinderella about spiritual yep. formation. <laughs> and I'm with Ray when that makes the international playlist called Blunts and Bangers. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this is amazing, Ray or Jason or whoever. I'm yeah. like, we just had this song that in both verses references the Bible, Christological sightings, the Old Testament, yeah. and following <laughs> Jesus. And it's in this playlist that's mm-hmm. viewed by 29,000 people a month. Yeah. I'm like, this is what has always been the goal for me to hold these places. Mm. And if music has always, or at least poetic license, has always been the way that I process the fact that in God's grace, it's made itself to music and has actually opened up the door missionally. Like I've seen producers put their faith in Jesus in the booth. Mm. Like I've, I've watched it happen. I'm working with an artist right now, secular artist, mm-hmm. rapper out of Sacramento, got a pretty big following for the local scene mm-hmm. and we're working together. And he said some really explicit stuff about faith and mm his background and how he don't believe any of this. And then last week asked me to go to coffee. And so we could talk about Jesus. Like, so for me, it was always, this is how I process naturally. Mm. God built me to process this way, but I want to hold space where I can be in these places. I can be preaching on a weekend for sure. Or I can be in the booth with a bunch of men and women that don't know Jesus and would never walk through that door, but we're friends and it's opening itself up to conversation and embodied living and, all the stuff about like reforming society through the relationships and the stories we tell. So uh, I love the hat of rapper or the guy that does rap stuff. (laughs) And I've been really grateful to have some people around me like Ray or our church organization. A lot of it's not every church that would allow you to be a senior pastor and preach 40 weekends a year and lead a staff and all of this stuff. And be in hip hop covertly. Um, so I'm just really grateful for those opportunities as well. But um, I'm at the point now in life that I wouldn't do one without the other. Mm. Like I had a, a record label asked me if I would just rap and if I would quit pastoring. Yeah. And I said, no. Yeah. But then if somebody said you can pastor, but you can't rap, I'd probably find a new place to work. Yeah. So. <laughs> be like, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's a part of who you are. Now you mentioned covertly. I don't know how covert be short is, uh, as, yeah. a, as a, as an artist name. It's, you know, it's, right. it's pretty on the nose. It's very clearly my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, covertly as a, 
as a disciple maker. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I get that. Yeah. No, I think that I think that story in your ex- example of people mad that that story of how you can infuse stuff, and it goes back to everything that we've been talking about around story. Is yeah. almost all of your songs are taken from real life stuff that you've gone through in your life. It, the, the, oh yeah, that you've written down, put to words. And, and yeah. you're just—it's—it's it's this emotional story experience, but yeah. it's all born out of who you are as yes. as a believer, as a child of God. So, 100%. so even if you know, even if you're not, you know, it, it's not just going through a psalm as a rap. <laughs> I don't, yes. you know, it's still like it's still so informed because who you are cannot yes. be separated from God, cannot be separated from your role in the kingdom. A hundred percent. Like that's the way I actually explain it. You, you used my exact words, um, <laughs> that quite literally, like I can't not be me on a song I wrote about me. Yeah. <laughs> so my past and my highlights, my lowlights and my relationship with Jesus and being Abba's kid, like it's all coming out. hundred mm. percent mm. of the songs that you've, that you've written. It, 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 maybe it's one that hasn't even come out yet, but of the songs that you've written, is there one that you've just kind of felt that experience had such a profound impact on you in terms of writing this and getting these words down and maybe putting it to track? Like, is there, is there an experience that stands out to you? That's a great question. Like, yeah. I mean, the way I like to describe it is I had never written a lyric that didn't matter in my story. Yeah. Like to your point, they're all actually stories. Um, But I just dropped this album in the attic and there's a song on it called Just So You Know. Mm -hmm. And that I, uh, if I was using like counseling language, that was, that was 13 year old me writing that song Mm. where uh, there was a couple really wounding words said to me in one year um, by some people that were close to me, two teachers Mm. and kind of the, the knee deep of my own rebellion. Yeah. And, uh, so that song kind of has that idea of just so you know, I'm more than the things that you said about me. Mm-hmm. And there's this processing of what was said and how it wounded me. And, but that I circled back to verse two and do a very, which is crazy because it's the most streamed song on this album that just dropped last Friday. Um, because verse two is straight up Exodus. Like <laughs> it literally goes, just so you know, even against all the wounds, all the things that you said, all the things that were hard for me to process, maybe the lies I believed into young adulthood because of certain wounds that those words made. Just so you know, I'm delighting in Yahweh. He's the king of compassion, gracious and kind, abounding in love, forever faithful and always, maintaining the love to the thousands, forgiving the wicked by y'all <laughs> Yahweh. And I'm just trying to look in his eyes here and well done, satisfied on my last day. And it's this yeah, it, 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 that's the one that feels, it felt cathartic and healing to write it. Cause I hadn't thought about some of the things that was said to me in that time mm. for a lot of years. Sure. Uh, but I also don't want to live like using C.S. Lewis's words. I don't want to live in the shadow lands mm-hmm. where the shadow lands of my own heart and the shadow missions of my own heart is still me trying to prove wrong what others said. Yeah. Um, just to be able to state. Now, God loves me. I'm trying to love me. My wife loves me. I'm delighting in that. And I'm more than the things you said I was. Mm. And I was more than I was at my lowest moment in life, too. And I think that's actually resonated with others. I actually just did a CR conference. Yeah. And they asked me, I was teaching and preaching at it. And they said, will you perform one song? 
and to be able to look at a group of people with habit, the hurts, habits, and hangups, mm-hmm. um, like all of us have, and say, you are more than what people said at your lowest moment, and then do that song. It's crazy how healing it was for me, but it was, it was interesting to watch people in the crowd cry mm. and be like, you're right. Like, the lies that others would have us believe or the enemy would have us believe. That's why the psalmist says that God would delight when truth reigns in our innermost. Yeah. So that's probably the one that comes to mind immediately. I love it. So now people on this podcast have heard you rhyme Yahweh with always and theophany with cacophony. So, so <laughs> you know, if you if if you worked on something maybe about a founding father of U.S. history, you could really just blow up. Is you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> that might be my next venture. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I'm coming after you, Thomas Edison. We're going to uh, <laughs> going to change the world. Uh, <laughs> so I love that. I wanted to. Just, you'll have to fe- you'll have to feature on that song. Oh well, there you go. I mean, I I I, I I'm not going to discredit my rapping ability just because you know I uh, I can hang with the best of them. Not not freeform. Right. But uh, if it, it, if I'm given the words, it can come out fine. But we won't do that here. We won't do that here. I love it. I um, love it. <laughs> I wanted to start to start start to wrap up our conversation by asking, what advice or encouragement do you have, maybe for people who may feel led to express themselves or maybe express their experiences through story? You know, it doesn't have to be musically. It could be through poetry. No, it yeah. could be in whatever way. But for people who've heard the who've heard how much it's done for you to yes. express truth to express God's love for you in this way what advice would yeah. you give for people who want to try that out number 1 do it, <laughs> um, do it. lean <laughs> lean in like i think i think we box creativity pretty badly mm. um and maybe that's my own defense mechanism as somebody that lives <laughs> in both worlds like Again, if somebody sits on the strategic seat for a company, I think often, especially in strategic spaces, cre- cre- the word creative mm-hmm. is actually not always a good word. Um, people are like, oh, no, not creatives. <laughs> they don't get anything done, no, which is false yeah. <laughs> um, and not fair. But I think we box creativity. Like when I'm sitting there with that nonprofit putting together our mission statement, vision, what it looks like for us to go after grant money mm-hmm. and to be able to, again, tell that story very clearly. I think from spreadsheets to risk over reward management to the end, there's still a story being told in that. Mm-hmm. And even that's creative. Yeah. So I think no matter what space somebody's in that's listening, whether it be, again, oh, I songwrite as a hobby or, you know, me, Jason, like I, I make candles. Oh, I mentioned that like, in the opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I make, I, I run a candle company that when we do three lines a year and like, I, but I love that because it's so creative. I'm like, Oh man, wait, I get to heat wax to a certain temperature. So at a molecular level, it combines with scent. And if my wick is actually right enough, it burns to the full diameter. This is God stuff. <laughs> um, but I would just tell anybody to lean into it. And I think it's really important. Rick used to say that a lot too. The idea of if you work with your mind, you got to learn how to rest with your hands. Mm-hmm. And I've got a really good friend right now, pastor in Long Beach, who's writing a book on, yeah, working with your hands. Uh, and he uses that creatively. He even talks about the creativity of gardening mm-hmm. and whatever your outlet is. But having that as a way to preserve your soul, 
not uh, again on the eternal type of landscape, but on, on the literal here and now, mm. as the age we live in becomes more digitized and exist in the cloud and via screens, I would encourage anyone listening, whatever their creative bend is, to go into that space as often as they can. Like there's a young girl in our church adopted from the Congo and she she just can draw. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know how else to say it. Like she's not classically trained. She's not done all these classes. She's somebody that can look at a landscape and draw it. Wow. And I'll tell her, I'm like, Jada, this is God stuff. Mm. Like this is you were made different than any person ever made in the history of mankind to fulfill the only the purpose you were given to fulfill in the earth. And you have this random superpower that you can look at Laguna Beach and you can draw it. Mm. Like you can capture images that were a part of stories. Like you should do this. And right now she's a she's doing her senior year. Mm. I think I'm gonna ask her to do some of our album art yeah. for some of the next projects we got coming out. I just would encourage anybody. If there is a way you want to express creatively, do it. I would also say invest in yourself. Like uh, I have a guy that's a mentor of mine that's taking up woodworking right now. Mm. Woodworking is not the cheapest hobby. No. It takes a lot of tools. And I remember him saying, yes, but if this means I don't burn out, mm. if this means that like it can restore and refresh me, and I'm reminded of the carpenter that worked in dad's shop long ago, <laughs> Uh, then this is worth the money. Mm. So again, not everybody's in the position they can or whatever, but my my sincere banner would be the message I would thump would be what I said at the beginning. Do it. Yeah. It will be more powerful than you know, and I think it'll bring rest to your soul in ways you probably didn't expect. Mm. Now, I, I really hope that you try this. I saw a video just today of a woman who lit a candle and this mm -hmm. speaks to you as a candle maker. And yeah. then she, and then she put the fire out, but the smoke was still coming out in the top. She lit the smoke on fire and it, because there is enough of, of, of the molecules of, of wax still within the yeah. smoke, it relit the wick. No way. You got to try this. I want to see it. I need, I need to try to do that in a music video. <laughs> And see if we can combine those worlds and see them collide. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for the inspiration on that. You know what? I just wanted to give you a gift so yeah, as a thank you for being <laughs> on the podcast with me today. So, again, the, the new album out is called The Attic. Uh, the, yeah. His artist name is B Short. His name is Brandon Short. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. It's been so great to reconnect here. Anytime, and I appreciate you having me. Let's look at some doable steps out of this episode. First, what stories do you have to tell? It doesn't have to be in any specific form or even for anyone else. As Brandon said, he thinks first about preaching to himself. So think about a story from your life. Think about how your reality of being a child of God plays into that story, and then put that story onto paper, right? It could be a poem. It could be a narrative story. It could be a song, whatever it means. Take some time to put that story down, to write it out in some way, shape, or form. Express that story. 
Second, think about the stories that make up other people's lives. When you're at the coffee shop or the grocery store or the DMV, think about the person who is helping you and remember that how they are in that moment is the result of the story of their day, week, or even life, right? And we can choose to respond to their story with grace, with mercy, with compassion, and with love. I want to thank Brandon Short for being on the conversation today. As you could hopefully tell (laughs) in my voice, I was thrilled to get to reconnect with my friend. I've put links in the show notes to Brandon's music, so you can find that there as well. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this has been Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. We'll be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.